Bible in a Year reading plan with Pastor Steve. Today's Bible reading plan will cover Genesis chapters 35 through 38, Psalm number 9, and Proverb number 9. As always, I'll be reading from the World English Bible, the web translation, because it's in the public domain. You are free to use any of the translations that you are comfortable with. The reading plan recommends the New International Version, which is a great one to start with. Uh, Today, I wanted to ask you all, if you're enjoying this podcast, to go ahead and click like and subscribe on whatever listening platform that you're using so you can help the podcast get recognized and um, show up in those search results when people are searching for a Bible plan. So I appreciate it if you can do that. But without further ado, let us jump into our readings for today. Dear Father in heaven, we give you thanks for this day, and we ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit to be with us as we hear your word and seek understanding. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 37. Jacob lived in the land of his father's travels in the land of Canaan. This is the history of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah. And Zilpah. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. Joseph brought an evil report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a tunic of many colors. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and they hated him, and couldn't speak peaceably to him. Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him all the more. He said to them, Please, hear this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves came around and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers asked him, Will you indeed reign over us? Will you indeed have dominion over us? They hated him all the more for his dreams and for his words. He dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed yet another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars bowed down to me. He told it to his father and to his brothers. His father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Will I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves down to the earth before you? His brothers envied him. But his father kept the saying in mind. His brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, Aren't your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send you to them. He said to him, Here I am. He said to him, Go now, see whether it is well with your brothers and well with the flock, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and came to Shechem. A certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. The man asked him, What are you looking for? He said, I am looking for my brothers. Tell me, please, where they are feeding the flock. The man said, They have left here, for I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. They saw him afar off, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. 
They said to one another, Behold, the dreamer comes. Come now, therefore, and let's kill him and cast him out into one of the pits. And we will say, An evil animal has devoured him. We will see what will become of his dreams. Reuben heard it and delivered him out of the hand and said, Let's not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into the pit that is in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hand to restore him to his father. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead, with their camels bearing spices and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, and let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not let our hand be on him, for he is our brother, our flesh. His brothers listened to him. Midianites, who were merchants, passed by, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. The merchants brought Joseph into Egypt. Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph wasn't in the pit, and he tore his clothes. He returned to his brothers and said, The child is no more, and I, where will I go? They took Joseph's tunic and killed a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. They took the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Examine it now and see if it is your son's tunic or not. He recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. An evil animal has devoured him. Joseph is without a doubt torn in pieces. Jacob tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his waist and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. He said, For I will go down to Sheol, to my son, mourning. His father wept for him. The Midianites sold him into Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, the captain of the guard. Genesis chapter 38. At that time, Judah went down from his brothers and visited a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. There Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite named Shua. He took her and went into her. She conceived and bore a son and named it Ur. She received a, she conceived again and bore a son, and she named him Onan. She yet again bore a son and named him Shelah. He was at Kazip when she was born. Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in Yahweh's sight. So Yahweh killed him. Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her and raise up her offspring for your brother. Onan knew that the offspring wouldn't be his. And when he went into his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground, lest he should give offspring to his brother. The thing which he did was evil in Yahweh's sight, and he killed him also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house until Shelah, my son, is grown up. For he said, Lest he also die like his brothers. 
Tamar went and lived in her father's house. After many days, Shua's daughters, the wife of Judah, died. Judah was comforted and went up to his sheep shears to Timnah, he and his friend Hira, the Adulamite. Tamar was told, Behold, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear sheep. She took off the garments of her widowhood and covered herself with her veil and wrapped herself and sat in the gate of Enaim, which is on the way to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown up, and she wasn't given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought that she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. He turned to her by the way and said, Please come, let me come into you. For he didn't know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me that you may come into me? He said, I will send you a goat from the flock. She said, Will you give me a pledge until you send it? He said, What pledge will I give you? She said, Your signet and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. He gave them to her and came into her, and she conceived by him. She arose and went away and put off her veil from her and put on the garments of her widowhood. Judah sent the young goat by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to receive the pledge from the woman's hand, but he didn't find her. Then he asked the men of her place, saying, Where is the prostitute that was in Enaim by the road? They said, There has been no prostitute here. He returned to Judah and said, I haven't found her. And also the men of the place said, There has been no prostitute here. Judah said, Let her keep it, lest we be ashamed. Behold, I sent this goat, and you haven't found her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the prostitute. Moreover, behold, she is with child by prostitution. Judah said, Bring her out and let her be burned. When she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, I am with child by the man who owns these. She also said, Please discern whose these are, the signet and the cords and the staff. Judah acknowledged them and said, She is more righteous than I, because I didn't give her to Shelah, my son. He knew her again no more. In the time of her travail, behold, twins were in the womb. When she travailed, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, This came out first. As he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out, and she said, Why have you made a breach for yourself? Therefore his name was called Perez. Afterward his brother came out, who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. Well, friends, although I only read chapters 37 and 38, I'm going to give you some highlights for each of the chapters. So starting in Genesis chapter 35, we see Jacob's getting back towards Bethel. He's heading back home to, to get to his father Isaac, presumably. And he tells the people along the way, you need to get rid of those household idols. Now remember, Rachel kind of smuggled some away from uh, Uncle Laban and so forth. And who knows who else might have uh, made some idols along the way in this journey. He says, we need to get rid of those because we're going to the house of God. And idolatry does not belong in the presence of God. It's the opposite of God. So he does that, and they get back. God, in if you remember, the Abrahamic covenant was reiterated through Abraham, through Isaac, and now through Jacob. This is the universal nature of it. God is going to fulfill this covenant regardless of the people. He's going to work through the generations to do it. And so he reiterates it here for Jacob. 
He even says, interestingly, as part of this, is to be fruitful and multiply. It brings us back to the words that he said to Noah after the ark had landed and they got out of the ark, and also all the way back to the beginning, the vocation, uh, the calling, the purpose of humanity through Adam and Eve. So there's a reiteration of that as well. God wants us to multiply, fill the earth with his glory, uh, and reflect that glory back to him. So Jacob, um, once he gets back, he and Rachel go on a trip towards Ephrath, and she goes into labor and dies. And the son that is born completes the 12, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, and his name is Benjamin. Now something interesting here is Ephrath is the, the place that we know as Bethlehem. Later on, you'll hear the words Bethlehem of Ephrathah. This was the town of David. This is also the place where Jesus was born after Joseph and Mary kind of went on the journey of their own and, and Mary went into labor. You know the Christmas story. And this chapter, it finishes off with the notice of Isaac's death. So apparently Isaac had a second wind, lived some while Jacob was off serving Uncle Laban. Um, but now when Jacob got back, Isaac passed away. He was gathered to his ancestors, and Esau and Jacob bury their father. And then interestingly, at the end, Reuben has some indiscretions. He uncovers the nakedness of his father's concubine. This reminds us of a previous story, doesn't it? And there's a disgrace that happens because of that, and Jacob finds out. Now in Genesis chapter 36, we get a little bit of an backstory on Esau. We see that uh, one of his many children uh, was Amalek. This is an interesting point because later on the Amalekites, who are the descendants of Amalek, um, became the quintessential enemies of Israel. Remember, there's this animosity between Israel and Esau, Israel and the Edomites, who are the descendants of Esau, because Jacob stole the birthright and the blessing from Esau. Well, not really stole. We saw that there was a transaction there, kind of legal. Um, but there was some deception at the end when Jacob tricked the father into giving the blessing. So apparently that animosity and distaste and displeasure for one another gets passed down through the generations, as we'll see. Now, in Genesis chapter 37, we get the story of Joseph. Now, it's going to be one that has many ups and downs, twists and turns. In fact, I had recently uh, devised a sermon series, which I delivered, called Plot Twist, because Plot Twist kind of characterizes the life of Joseph. And we see out in the in the beginning of this story that Jacob or Israel favored Joseph because he was the son of his old age and really the son of the wife that he truly loved, Rachel. And Jacob, what did he do but make a special coat for Joseph, a coat of many colors, tunic of many colors. Now, this is fascinating because imagine this <laughs> this young. Um, brother amongst the older brothers who has this really um, ostentatious, this flagrant coat, and his brothers all have very simple, basic earth tone tunics. Talk about favoritism. Now, if you have kids, you know that that's not a, a very safe thing to do is to show favoritism to one over another. 
So the brothers, because of this, they started to despise Joseph. And Joseph even, he's known as a dreamer. Uh, he has these prophecies. Uh, later on, we'll see he becomes a interpreter of dreams. Um, but here, he relays a dream that he has. He says, you know what? Me and you guys, we were all out in the field in my dream, and I was binding wheat into sheaves, and you were binding wheat into sheaves. And guess what? Mine stood up, and all of your sheaves bowed down to me or my sheaf, basically saying that I'm going to rise up and you all are going to serve me. Not a good way to make friends amongst the brothers, so they despised him. It even says he, they hated him more. And also Joseph was a little bit of a tattletale, wasn't he? He would see what his brothers were doing. If they were kind of misbehaving and goofing off, he'd bring a bad report back to good old daddy-o, and they hated him because of that. So much so that later on they plotted to kill him. And Joseph, on this uh, fateful day, he approached his brothers, uh, trying to get a report for his father once again. And the brothers concoct this plan to cast Joseph into a pit and then kill him and make it look like an animal uh, destroyed him. They were going to dip his coat into blood and give it to dad to show that, oops, your son's dead. But thankfully, due to Judah and Reuben, there is kind of a subversion of that and Joseph doesn't get killed, but instead he gets sold off to these people known as the Ishmaelites. And if you remember back to Isaac and Ishmael, uh, Isaac was the son of promise through the, through the wife of Abraham, Sarah. And Ishmael was the son that was born to Abraham through Sarah's concubine, uh, not the promise line. So here, once again, there is this battle between the two lines. So we see that it gets sold off to the Ishmaelites, and it kind of ends there saying that he wound up in the hands of Potiphar, who was kind of the guard of Pharaoh, kind of at the top echelon of authority of uh, Pharaoh's kingdom. And this is going to be important because we'll see that as Joseph goes through these twists and turns, you know, what God, um, or sorry, what people had intended for bad towards Joseph, God, God can take those things, turn them around, redeem them, and work them for the good. And we see this time and time again for Joseph. And finally, in chapter 38, we see more indiscretions. This time, it's Judah's. Uh, Judah saw a Canaanite woman named Hira, uh, who kind of looked good in his eyes. So he took her for a wife, and she bore some sons. Now, we know that these Israelites are not supposed to be intermarrying with non-Israelite people, and the Canaanites would have been non-Israelite, the uncircumcised. And what happens is more drama out of this disobedience and people trying to do what they think is good in their own eyes once again just causes more and more problems so Hira gives birth to a few sons Ur, Onan, and Shelah now Judah arranged a wife for the firstborn kind of a nice thing to do for the firstborn I guess and her name was Tamar but later it says that Ur died due to his evil ways. Basically, God took him out. Now, does that mean that God executed judgment on him instantaneously and took him out? Or did God just let him live a life of 
his own indiscretions and his own disobedience, which brought uh, destruction onto himself, we don't know. But the words here do indicate that perhaps God did smite him because of his evil ways. Now, God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-sovereign. He's the ruler of all, and he can do what he'll do. Now, we'll see that God is also a very loving God, so sometimes we don't understand the ways of God's operation, but we do know that he has the best interests of humanity in mind. So Judah asked Onan to take his older brother's wife and to make a family for her. Now this is the beginning of what later becomes known as the Leveret marriage. It's if the eldest brother dies and there's another brother, then that brother is to take the widow and continue making a family with this wife. So this is the beginning of that. Now, Onan disobeys, and his life is taken from him as well. Kind of a similar situation. So what does Judah do but tells Tamar to live with him and wait until Shelah, the youngest, was old enough to fulfill the brother's obligations, um, the ones that kind of failed before him. And then we see that Tamar does what so many have already done before her, and she tries to DIY or do-it-yourself her own blessings uh, via some trickery. Now, the result is that she conceives and has twins. And we see a little bit of a familiar story here. The twins we know as Jacob and Esau kind of come to mind. So the first, when it comes time to birth, the first stuck out his hand and the midwife tied a, a red thread around it so she would know that that was the first to come out. Uh, presumably she thought that the rest of the body would follow with the hand, but what happens is the other son breaks out ahead of that one. It seems like he's taking the, the birthright, doesn't it? The youngest trying to beat out the the eldest. So the, the one that actually comes out, they name Perez because he breaks out or breaches ahead of the one that was supposed to be first. Kind of like Jacob, whose name means supplanter. He's supplanting the plan. Now, the son that came out second, who is supposed to be the first, they named Zerah. So in all of this, friends, I hope that you see that there are some repeating themes here. That humanity, although God is using them to bring about his plan amongst the earth to continue the project of creation, uh, and to bring about redemption, well, it involves some flawed people. So friends, out of all of this today, though, I hope you will really center your hearts and your thoughts on Genesis chapter 37 with the story of Joseph, which is going to be playing out over the next several chapters. And I want you to see that although his life was tumultuous, there was a lot of plot twists, and there was a lot of bad intentions against him, that God was with him every step of the way and was able to take what was intended for ill and turn it around for God's good. So friends, take heart, take notice that God is with you and that he is working out things for your good. So hang on and trust God along the way. Until next time, this is Pastor Steve. I want to invite you to continue to follow along. I hope to see you tomorrow via this podcast. 
But for now, have a very blessed day.